well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad that you've joined the show today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Joe Biden and gun control on the uh, program. I I say a little bit. uh, You know, it's interesting. Yesterday we talked about the fact that uh, Joe Biden... Less than 24 hours after the shooting of two sheriff's deputies in Los Angeles County uh, in Compton, California, South Central L.A., uh, he called for more gun control, took to Twitter, said, uh, you know what, we need to ban these uh, weapons of war and these uh, high-capacity magazines, he said. Now, I I was fascinated by this. Uh, Obviously, we're going to cover that story here on, uh, you know, Bearing Arms Cam and Company and at BearingArms.com, but I've been kind of shocked at how few media outlets actually cover this story. This is the headline from Hot Air. Good to see them uh, talking about as well, fellow uh, town hall media brand. But uh, Washington Post, near as I can tell, no mention of Biden's comments. New York Times, near as I can tell, no mention of Biden's comments. Didn't see any write-up from uh, CNN or NBC News or MSNBC. Uh, at a time in which, you know, we're told this is the most uh, pro-gun safety ticket in history, uh, and at a time when gun sales are through the roof, and at a time when violent crime is increasing in many cities across the country, you would think that the media, anti-gun as they are, would have latched on to Biden's comments, that that would have been one of the big topics in the news cycle. Uh, on Monday of this week. Here it is, you know, Joe Biden, he's now uh, coming out and he's talking about the common sense gun safety reforms that he wants to put in place. And nope, there was none of that, Uh, which leads me to believe that the media, sycophantic as they are when it comes to the uh, Biden candidacy, that they don't really want to talk about Joe Biden's gun control agenda, that they are terrified of what's happening right now in this country in terms of the number of new gun owners, in terms of the number of Americans who are viewing the Second Amendment with a greater importance than they ever have before. Now, my colleague, Stephen Gutowski, uh, I, well, yeah, fellow Second Amendment journalist, he's a colleague of mine. I don't work for the same place, but we're both colleagues. He had a, a piece the other day talking about the uh, swing states and the uh, record high numbers of firearms that uh, he says uh, have been sold uh, in nine swing states so far this year. Capitalists, he says, are activists rather looking to capitalize on this, as you might imagine they would be. Uh, You know, we've actually seen, I I think, probably record high gun sales in all 50 states. So if there's a swing state out there, um, they're seeing record high number of gun sales, even if it's not a swing state, even a state like California, which I I don't think is going to go red, Uh, in November. Oh, that it would, but I don't think it's going to happen. Again, we're still seeing uh, really, really high numbers of gun sales so far in 2020. So I asked my friends at the National Shooting Sports Foundation for a little bit of help because I was curious about something. I wanted to figure out what the gun sales were like in Joe Biden's backyard. Yeah, in Delaware. And what I found was actually uh, pretty surprising. In Delaware, which you would think, you know, given the fact that Biden has been basically the kingpin of Delaware politics for darn near 50 years, that his anti-gun message, if it's going to resonate anywhere, it would resonate there in his backyard. Well, it doesn't appear like that is the case at all. 
According to the National Shooting Sports Foundation, so far, there have been an estimated 46,084 gun sales in the state of Delaware from January 1st through September 1st or August 31st uh, of this year. 46,084. Now, look, that may not sound like a lot to you. Keep in mind, Delaware is a pretty small state. Doesn't have the 40 million people that uh, California has. And as it turns out, the 46,084 firearms that have been sold or estimated to have been sold in Delaware this year uh, is already higher than the number of guns sold in all of 2019 in Delaware. Uh, in 2019, according to the National Shooting Sports Foundation, Delaware had 41,926 background checks for the sale of a firearm throughout the entire year. So more guns have already been sold in the state in 2020 than were sold in all of 2019. And we are heading into what is traditionally the busiest time of year for gun sales. Now, I say traditionally because I don't think anybody really knows what to expect for September, October, November, December. The demand is certainly high. I think as high as it has been. The supply, on the other hand, that's the big question. Are there actually going to be enough guns available to be sold in places like Delaware uh, that the record high numbers continue? I think so. Uh, but we did see a little bit of a decline in uh, August numbers compared to July, if you're looking month to month. Uh, August was down a little bit from July. Um, I, and I, I base that, again, largely on uh, supply issues rather than demand issues. Certainly ammunition uh, is as difficult to find as it has been for months, uh, and those in the industry don't expect that that is going to change until sometime in 2021. Now, what's interesting um, as well about Delaware, so we know that there have been 46,084 firearms that have been sold, or, or thereabouts. Let, let's go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll round down just a little bit. About 46,000 firearms have been sold this year. According to the National Shooting Sports Foundation, they estimate, based on their retail surveys, that about 40% of those are to first-time gun buyers, which means that about 18,500 Delaware residents have become gun owners for the very first time since January of this year. Now, is that enough to, uh, to sway the state, to, to, to turn the state from Biden to Trump? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, I'll be honest with you. But is it enough to have an impact maybe in a congressional race? Maybe. And I'll tell you where it is really likely to have an impact. And that's in the state house in Delaware. You know, something else that the media hasn't really talked about is the fact that uh, Joe Biden, while he's stumping for a gun ban, uh, has been unable to use his political leverage in the state of Delaware to get a gun and magazine ban passed through the Democrat-controlled state legislature. Yeah. Democrats are in control of all levers of government in the state of Delaware. You've got a Democrat governor. You've got Democrats in charge of the state house and the state Senate. And there have been gun control bills that have been introduced. There was a gun ban bill that was actually introduced last year in the state of Delaware. But it didn't actually get a vote. And they're already talking about trying to bring this back. But um, I think they're going to run into some trouble. 
This was from uh, just uh, about a year ago, August of 2019, from the uh, Delaware State News. Um, Wondering, why does Delaware stand in such sharp contrast to other heavily Democratic East Coast states, including Maryland? They say the, the, the conditions in Delaware are ripe for gun control. But they say an ambitious attempt to place new restrictions on firearms went up in flames in 2019, sparking outrage on both sides of the issue. The Delaware Democratic Party platform calls for, quote, common sense gun safety measures, but Democrats killed the gun ban, including a ban on magazines that could hold more than 15 rounds, uh, a bill that would create a permit process to own a firearm, and again, would ban dozens of firearms by name, thousands more by feature, uh, by defining them as, quote, unquote, assault weapons. This was a, a, a priority for gun control advocates in 2019. It was a priority for gun control advocates in 2020. But they ran up against real grassroots opposition to these measures on the part of gun owners across the state of Delaware. According to the Delaware State News, when um, gun control supporters scheduled a news conference, in April of 2019, to announce their uh, support for these three bills, opponents planned a, a counter-rally to show up in support of the Second Amendment. And the Delaware State News says opponents outnumbered supporters by a ratio of at least three to one. Delaware State News says the three bills ended up failing due to fears of some Democratic lawmakers that voting for the proposals would hurt the party at the polls in 2020. Now again, this was last year. The bills went nowhere again this year. Probably because of those same concerns, right? If you're concerned about casting a, a pro-gun control vote in 2019 and you're worried that that's going to come back and bite you in the rear end in 2020, well, when you're even closer to the 2020 elections, you're not going to vote for these gun control bills. Maybe in 2021, uh, we'll see the Delaware State House. Uh, become more open to the idea of passing these gun control proposals, but they haven't done so. Again, in Joe Biden's backyard, they haven't done so. In fact, not only did these bills not pass out of the state house in Delaware, they didn't even make it out of committee in Delaware. Yeah, a, a Democrat-controlled committee could not advance these gun control proposals. Uh, David McBride, he's the uh, Senate president pro tem. He's a Democrat from Newcastle. And uh, he joined two Republicans on the Senate Executive Committee and actually blocking these bills. He said, quote, I got a sense that my caucus isn't interested in doing this. I can tell you that straight up, he said. You know, part of my job, I have to read tea leaves around there, around the Capitol. And one of the things that you do to be successful in this building, you have to learn how to count. Delaware State News said uh, one of the more influential groups in terms of uh, shutting down that gun control legislation Opposition from union members, which is interesting. You know, we were talking last week with Jerry Wayne, a union member from Detroit, and uh, he too was talking about how many of his fellow union members in the Detroit area are not planning on voting for Joe Biden because of Joe Biden's support for gun control. 
So, you know, speaking of reading tea leaves, how many tea leaves can you read into the fact that Joe Biden has not been able to ram through gun control? Look, he's not in the state legislature. He's not the governor. I understand that. But he is the godfather of Delaware politics. Right. Delaware has been his home base for his political career since the 1970s. And yet Biden. I don't know if he didn't lift a finger. I don't know if he didn't get involved. I don't know if he picked up the phone and said, hey, listen, no, you're fat. We got to uh, uh, roast beef. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, gun control. I, I don't know. I don't know if he even tried. But I kind of find it interesting if he didn't try to get these gun controls passed. Right? I mean, here he is. We got to ban these weapons of war. That's what he says on Twitter. Well, they tried to do that in the Delaware State House in 2019, 2020. Even when Democrats in charge, they couldn't get it done. Add in again, right now, according to the NSSF, 18,500 new gun owners, probably by the time the uh, elections roll around, we're going to be looking closer to, I don't know, 22,000, maybe 25,000 new gun owners in the state of Delaware. Is that going to be enough to, you know, flip the state house from Democratic control to Republican control? Probably not. Could it sway a few legislative races? Absolutely. Uh, and does this send another message to lawmakers, not only in Delaware, but again, you talk about the millions of gun owners that have embraced their Second Amendment rights for the first time since January. NSSF estimates around the nation we're talking about 4 million new gun owners around the country. How many anti-gun Democrats are going to read those tea leaves, whether at the, uh, the, the State House or in the U.S. Capitol? And say, mm, I don't, I don't know. If this is really something that uh, that we should be pursuing right now. I'm more confident, frankly, that we'll see that at the state level than we will at the federal level. I, I, I firmly believe that if uh, Joe Biden wins in November, if Democrats take back the Senate, if they maintain control of the House, look, we're already seeing. Uh, and over at uh, Hot Air today, they've got a story about how there's uh, basically a, a, a Democratic working group that's gotten together to start to figure out, okay, what's the best way to get rid of the filibuster? And that way you don't need 60 votes to pass a bill. You only need a bare minimum 51 votes in the U.S. Senate. And that seems to be one of the top priorities for Democrats. Again, if they have... 51 or 52 or 53 uh, senators in the Senate, they may, I think it's likely that they will try to get rid of the filibuster. And I suspect that uh, Biden, uh, well, Biden won't have a say in it. I mean, that's just you know, going to be a change of the rules in the Senate. So, you know, even if Biden objected, which I don't think they would, uh, I don't think that would matter. And then if they only need 51 votes to pass their uh, gun control bills, yeah, I think those gun control bills will be if not the first item on the Democrats' to-do list, uh, it'll certainly be in the top three. This will be something that they will move on very quickly because, again, they understand that these moves are going to be unpopular, that they will come with a political cost. And so the sooner that they can do this, they believe the better for them because, you know, we've got the attention spans of fruit flies. And so if they take control of the Senate in January or February, January, uh, and they pass gun control in, you know, February or March of 2021. Well, that gives them, you know, like a year and a half 
before Election Day in 2022 in the midterms, and uh, maybe gun owners will have forgotten about all this by then. At least maybe the passions will have cooled a little bit. It's the same reason, I think, why you saw gun control as the first priority for Democrats in the Virginia legislature uh, this year. Democrats took control of the state house in Virginia for the first time in 26 years, back in November of 2019. And by January of 2020, they were already starting to vote on these gun control proposals. And they got most of them through, with the exception of Ralph Northam's gun ban magazine ban and suppressor ban, the centerpiece of his uh, anti-gun agenda. And interestingly enough, despite the fact that that was the centerpiece of Northam's gun control campaign, when lawmakers in Virginia met in special session this summer, just a couple of months before Election Day, and they debated a whole bunch of bills, including police reform bills and all kinds of other measures, but the one thing they did not bring up was Ralph Northam's gun ban. I think in large part because they did not want to bring it up closer to Election Day. You know, we've uh, spoken about this as well. There are a number of uh, swing districts in the state of Virginia Opportunities for uh, Republicans to take back seats that were lost in 2018. And Democrats are running as far away from the gun control issue in these districts as they can. Uh, Abigail Spanberger, first term congresswoman from Virginia's 7th district. I mean, I think she has gun control as an issue on her campaign website. Elaine Luria in the 2nd congressional district, another first termer. Same thing. They don't want to talk about gun control. Now, they, they were happy to take Michael Bloomberg's campaign cash in 2018. They were happy to try to tailor a, a campaign message in 2018 of, uh, listen, if you care about your kids, then you really need these common sense gun safety reforms and you got to vote for us because the evil Republicans won't do it. And they got elected. And now the Democrats aren't, um, aren't embracing gun control like they did just two years ago. I think in large part that is because of the record high number of gun sales that we're seeing around the country. I think it is also in large part because they know that if they keep quiet on this issue until after the elections are over, if they win, again, then they can implement their agenda. They can make excuses for it afterwards. They can apologize for it afterwards. They can even say, oh, we're going to tweak it if it proves to be really unpopular. But they're not going to, uh, to, to make it a priority issue before people head to the polls. And if I had to make a guess, I mean, that's what we've seen from the Biden campaign so far. Despite his tweet, again, a, a, a tweet is not a speech. A tweet is not uh, a, a, a focus of a campaign. A tweet is almost definitionally a throwaway. You tweet it out, you send it out in the Twitterverse, and then, uh, you know, in an hour or two, it either goes viral or it disappears. In the case of uh, Joe Biden, it was maybe, for non-gun owners, it was maybe a six-hour news story, if that. Again, almost no national coverage. So as we get closer to the first debate, I got to tell you, I mean, if I'm advising the Trump campaign, I'm advising them to go after Biden hard on the gun issue, because I don't think he really wants to talk about it. I don't think he wants to talk about the 94 crime bill of which the uh, so-called assault ban was a part. 
I don't think he wants to talk about his flip-flops back in the 1980s. Biden said, I don't think that, you know, banning guns or passing more gun control laws is going to impact criminals' ability to, to legally acquire a gun one way or the other. Yeah, that was Biden back in 86. I would bring up that. I'd bring up that quote. I'd throw it in his face and I'd say, Joe, what changed? What what changed? Because, you know, violent crime is is actually a lot lower than it was back in the 1980s. We're a safer society. We've got tens of millions more gun owners than we did back then. We've got almost 20 million Americans who have their right to carry their concealed carry license. You didn't have that back in the 80s. We've actually embraced as a nation the Second Amendment more than we did back in the 1980s, and we have lower crime rates and greater uh, abilities to exercise our Second Amendment rights. But you've changed, Joe. Because back then, you were saying, I, I agree with what you said back in 1986. But I, I, I don't agree with what you're saying in 2020. Because now in 2020, you're saying despite those lower crime rates, despite the fact that we're a safer society, even though we have more people who are exercising their Second Amendment rights, that you believe now's the time to take those rights away. Now's the time to turn those rights into a privilege. Now's the time to ban the most commonly sold rifle in the country. Now's the time to ban the most commonly owned magazines in the nation. Now's the time to uh, give grants to states so that they can set up their own gun licensing and their gun permitting systems. That's, that's what you want to do, Joe. Why do you want to focus on restricting the Second Amendment rights of legal gun owners instead of actually focusing on the violent criminals who are driving up the crime rates in places that are controlled by your buddies like Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago, Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York, and others? That would be my advice. If I were advising the uh, Trump campaign, go after Biden hard on this issue. I listen. He's 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 embraced the anti-gun agenda, but um, I think that there are some pretty severe structural weaknesses uh, for the uh, Biden campaign in doing so. All right, let's get to today's armed citizen story. Our good deed of the day and our recidivist report will start there. Speaking of again, not going after violent criminals. Case out of Chicago. So there were 12 people killed in Chicago over the weekend. Total of, I think, 51 people shot. And uh, one individual who's been arrested and charged with um, basically a a mass shooting, shot and killed two people, I think uh, injured three others, is a uh, guy who is well-known to authorities and a guy who should have been behind bars instead of being out on the street, David Brown, the Chicago police superintendent, uh, criticizing a uh, perceived lack of consequences for those who uh, illegally use guns in the commission of a crime, saying it was, quote, beyond frustrating after a man who was out on jail on electronic monitoring allegedly opened fire at a party early Saturday, striking five people and killing two. David Brown said, quote, this person has seven felonies seven felonies and yet they're out on the streets in our neighborhoods on electronic monitoring he said what are we doing he said i mean it's beyond frustrating it makes your blood boil if you're one of those victims well it shouldn't just make your blood boil if you're one of these victims even if you live in the safest neighborhood in chicago you should be pissed off about this Because, again, at the same time, you've got Democrats who are demanding more gun control laws. They're not enforcing the laws against violent criminals in the city of Chicago. Their emphasis and their focus from a lawmaking perspective is almost entirely on you and me 
and every other legal gun owner out there, as opposed to, you know, convicted felons like this guy. WTTW says that the shooting occurred just after 2 a.m. Saturday during a gathering. Police said the suspect, 39-year-old Timmy Jordan, drew a handgun and opened fire, hitting five people. A 47-year-old woman and a 35-year-old male were each transported to Stroger Hospital, where they both died. According to the Chicago Police uh, Chief of Detectives, Brendan Dinahan, a uh, concealed carry holder was actually there. He was on the scene. He returned fire and shot Jordan, putting a stop to that attack. Yeah. Again, don't you think maybe we should be trying to build up a culture of lawful gun ownership in the city of Chicago? Don't you think we should be trying to create more law-abiding gun owners, fewer violent criminals using guns illegally? Instead, what's the city of Chicago doing? They've got rules in place that, that bar any gun stores from opening. They've got rules in place that bar any range from opening. They're doing everything in their power to make it as hard as possible to be a legal gun owner. And they're giving slaps on the wrist to individuals who violate the city's gun laws in the commission of violent crimes. All right, on to our uh, armed citizen story of the day. I realize that the, our, our, our recidivist report actually did feature an armed citizen, but we have a separate armed citizen story for you from uh, Des Moines, Iowa, where a uh, concealed carry holder uh, forced to defend himself when a pair of uh, individuals tried to rob him at gunpoint. Uh, according to, this is uh, Radio Iowa, Police Sergeant uh, Paul Perizic in uh, Des Moines says that uh, police got a 911 call early Monday from the uh, intended victim of this crime. Caller reported that he'd been approached by two armed men who attempted to rob him, and in self-defense, he shot them. Uh, when officers arrived, they found the victim, or the intended victim in this case, and a pair of 16-year-olds, both of them uh, seriously injured uh, in this robbery attempt. Paul Perizic says investigators learned that the two suspects were both armed with handguns and had approached the victim and demanded that he empty his pockets. The victim, a concealed weapons permit holder, drew his firearm and shot both of the suspects. One of those suspects has since died. Detectives uh, interviewed multiple witnesses. They examined evidence of the scene. They say after consulting with the Polk County Attorney's Office, there will be no charges filed against the robbery victim. You know, again, it's it's... It's tragic when you see a, a 16-year-old lose their life over a dumb mistake like this. But dumb mistakes, like trying to rob somebody at gunpoint, can lead to you being killed. And there's no way around it. So this is a tragedy. I'm not cheering what happened here. I think it's awful that this concealed carry holder was put in the position where he had to draw his firearm in self-defense, where he had to shoot these two 16-year-olds, because it was him or them. But I'm glad that he is alive today. I'm glad that he was able to go to work, see his family, make that phone call to the person he loves the most and say, hey, I want you to know this just happened, but I'm okay. And I do wish that, that, that those 16-year-olds had made much better choices. So that they, too, could be getting up getting ready to go to school, coming home, playing PlayStation or Xbox, hanging out with their friends, living a, a normal 16-year-old's life. But they made a dumb decision with deadly consequences. And I can only hope that uh, others in the Des Moines area learn 
from this lesson. And don't make the same mistake that these 16-year-olds did. All right, finally today, our good deed of the day. Uh, This from Greenfield, Indiana, WTHR in Indianapolis with the story of a police officer in the right place at the right time to save a woman from a burning car. Now, that uh, blurry footage there is a cell phone. That may even be a a body cam footage there from the scene. Very, very blurry, kind of pixelated out to uh, protect the uh, identity of the individuals involved. This was back uh, last week, September the 9th. It was about 1.30 in the morning. Blake Kroll, who's a police officer in Greenfield, Indiana, discovered a car that had uh, rolled over. It was on fire uh, on uh, Highway 40. Officer Kroll ran to the vehicle, found a 36-year-old woman, Heather Fisher, trapped inside. She was seriously injured. He was looking for a way to get her out of the burning car. He ultimately had to pull her out through a side window. And just moments after he did that, parts of the uh, engine compartment then began firing off and exploding. Uh, Police Captain Charles McMichael said that uh, this woman may very well have died if not for the quick actions of Patrolman Kroll. Uh, Fisher was taken to local hospital with very serious injuries. The driver of a second vehicle actually identified as a 46-year-old Arturo Casimiro of Indianapolis. He was arrested. Uh, and was taken to the Hancock County Jail. He's now facing charges of operating while intoxicated, resulting in serious bodily injury. That's a level four felony. Operating while intoxicated with a prior conviction. That's a level six felony. And driving while suspended with a prior conviction within 10 years, which is a, a misdemeanor offense. So clearly somebody who should not have been behind the wheel of that vehicle was behind the wheel of a car, crashed into another. Lives could have been lost if it were not for the quick action of the uh, patrolman there in Greenfield, Indiana. Uh, Blake Kroll, in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. We thank you, sir, for your very, very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Barry and Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. Don't forget, uh, we love it when you share the news that you find here. Go ahead and, uh, you know, post this to your own Facebook page. Share it on Twitter. Let the world know about uh, Barry and Arms Cam and Company, and you will have my eternal gratitude. Uh, also, thank you again for all of the uh, thoughts and prayers about uh, my wife, Miss E. She did have her CT scan today. I'll let you know the results when we get them. Knock on wood and uh, prayers up. Hopefully, uh, good news coming later this week. But uh, in the meantime, we'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. Also, a live chat with my friend Ed Morrissey, and I believe Julio Rose is from Town Hall going to join us if you're a VIP gold member of Town Hall Media. You can use the promo code LOYALTY and get 25% off your VIP Gold membership. That way you get access to the live chats, exclusive commentary analysis, and more. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, be free. We'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam & Company.